Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Reviving Vet Med. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing team debriefing. We're gonna break down the different types of debriefing from learning debriefings to wellness debriefings. When we have these, who should attend and how we go about offering them. So there's lots of practical tips in this jam-packed episode as well as some downloads for you. I will include links for those downloads in the show notes, so watch for those. Otherwise, please note that this episode was recorded using live video, so I have a moment in this episode of distraction. I got a message from someone on my phone that was urgent, so had to take a moment to tend to that, but otherwise it's pretty smooth sailing. And with that said, I'm really excited for you to hear this information, so let's get into the episode. This is the Reviving Vet Med Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Marie Holowaychuk. My mission is to improve the mental health and well-being of veterinary professionals around the world. So our objectives for today are to learn what a debriefing is and what the potential benefits are for you and your team. I also want to share with you how you can recognize what situations are appropriate for a team debriefing to know when and how to hold a team debriefing and who should attend. And then I'm also going to provide you with resources for performing a debriefing and providing additional supports to attendees should they need that. So if we look at the term debrief in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it will say to interrogate someone in order to obtain useful information or to carefully review upon completion. So there's different contexts in which debrief has been used. It used to be um, more heavily used in, you know, combat situations where they were, you know, debriefing prisoners or um, uh, people who um, people who they needed to get information from, essentially. And then we started to use debriefs in more of the business sense in terms of, you know, a project is completed or event is completed and let's debrief on how that went. Now, I definitely prefer the Cambridge Dictionary definition of debriefing, which says it's a meeting that takes place in order to get information about a particular piece of work that has been finished, for example, about what was done successfully and what was not. So especially in the context of, of emergency and critical care, when we talk about team debriefs or debriefs in the context of a case, especially a post CPR, it's really helpful for us to look at the CPR has been done and what went well and what could we do differently so that next time is even more successful. So there are many different forms of debriefs and much of the information of course comes from healthcare teams. We have a little bit of information coming out of the veterinary space now, all in the context of post CPR debriefing, which is really wonderful to see. In the context of healthcare teams, a learning debrief is a process that allows individuals to discuss their performance, to identify errors or shortcomings and to develop plans to improve. So to really look at what we can learn from these particular situations. Now there's also so-called well-being debriefs for healthcare teams. These processes are a little bit different. So they allow individuals to process difficult or distressing situations to increase their social support. So when we have these conversations as a team, we start to recognize, oh, I'm not alone in this. I have, I work with someone else who's going through a similar situation or I, someone else has gone through this situation on my team. So I could reach out to them to talk to them about it because they would know the context, you know, in which I'm referring to. 
that of course reduces isolation. It also normalizes emotional reactions. Very often in vet medicine, I find that we go home and we just you know, feel gross about our day. Things didn't go well. We can't quite put a name to it. We have all these emotions coming up. And then we start to think, is there something wrong with me? Like, am I not, am I not cut out for this job? You know, is it this job? Am I burnt out? What's happening? If we can have a well-being debrief and hear everybody else's emotional experiences, what they're going through, it normalizes it. It makes it okay to be not okay in the context of some of the things that happen to us at work. And then we can learn coping strategies from our colleagues. So somebody might say, yeah, you know what? I was so distraught after that case we had last week that I scheduled an appointment with my counselor and that really helped me or I went on a long hike this weekend and it was just so healing to be in nature or whatever it might be but we start to learn what other people use to help cope with the difficult work that we do as medical or veterinary um, professionals. So Debriefing and culture, the two are closely tied together. You have to have an environment with a culture that fosters certain things in order to normalize debriefings or even to plan and hold debriefings. So first and foremost, we need psychological safety. If we hold a debrief, which is encouraging teams to share and process and learn from each other, if we don't have psychological safety and that people don't feel safe to speak up, to share, to admit mistakes or to point out shortcomings, I mean, I don't think the conversation is going to go very far. It's probably going to be pretty quiet all around. So that sense of safety at work, that sense of, you know, I feel comfortable to speak up, to share what I'm going through, to ask questions, to say when I've made a mistake or to point out when someone else has maybe made a mistake. That's the psychological safety that we need in order to have a debrief. We also want it to be okay that these experiences are normalized, that people aren't shamed or blamed if something doesn't go well or if somebody's feeling really distressed at work. I can remember, um, I don't wanna to reveal too much information about the context in which this happened, but I, at some point in my career, I was working in an environment where I had a couple of really difficult euthanasias and I was tearful around these euthanasias. And, you know, I, I happen to be an emotional person. Tears come pretty easily to me, especially when I'm exhausted, you know, or feeling stressed. And, you know, the sort of murmurings from the higher ups um, in this hospital were, you know, Marie's just so emotional and, you know, she needs to kind of keep her emotions together, pull herself together. Um, and and that, that's, that's hard. That's, that means that, you know, that it's not okay for me to feel feelings at work. And then others might witness that or overhear that and think, gosh, I better, you know, um, it must not be normal to show emotion. I better not, you know, show any emotion. That's not okay. And then of course, last but not least, we want to make sure that we have a culture that embraces and promotes help-seeking behavior. Many individuals who are coming into a debrief are not doing well in the context of what happened. They're going to need help. So we wanna make sure that we have an environment at work that fosters that. Do people need a day off, a wellness day, a mental health day, 
do they need to be able to block time off in the calendar in the schedule so that they can go to a mental health appointment? Do we want to make sure that we offer employee assistance programs within our practice? Um, you know, all those different types of things to just normalize it. Like, yeah, that was tough. We all need help. Maybe the practice even um, brings in a mental health professional, a social worker or someone else to have a conversation with the whole team. Again, promoting, we want you to seek help. We want to offer help to you in the context of these tough situations. So there's many different outcomes that can come from debriefing. We can identify problems and solutions, especially if it's more of a learning form of a debriefing. We can build self-awareness. You know, we learn about ourselves when we stop and take a moment to reflect on how we're feeling in the context of what's happening to us. We can identify self-care strategies. We can improve team communication and support. We can also identify symptoms of burnout and secondary post-traumatic stress. We can practice self-reflection. We can develop and nurture a supportive culture. And again, we can offer resources for support. So many great things that can come out of a debriefing. Now, I do want to highlight the fact that debriefings are not a catch-all thing. You know, we don't just hold a debriefing and then, you know, that's it. That's all the team needs. These are not a substitute for psychotherapy, for counseling support, for crisis intervention, or for post-traumatic stress disorder care. Remember that when we hold debriefings at work, most of us are doing it without the support and guidance of a mental health professional. So we are doing this as a team to support each other and to process, but we are not able to provide these mental health support services, which very often are needed for individuals who have gone through a distressing or difficult situation. So please do not look at these debriefings as you know, okay, we don't need to invest in EAP because we're just gonna have debriefings. That's definitely not the case. So when do we hold a debriefing? When might it be needed? Well, when team members feel distressed, disturbed, confused, or unsettled in response to a situation, to me, that is an indicator that a team debriefing is warranted and could be offered. So what are some, some specific situations? So other than the sense that you have from your team, you know, especially if you're in a management position and you have team members coming to you saying like, I'm just so confused after what happened or they're coming to you with lots of questions. You're getting the same questions over and over. You're getting the same people coming into your office, feeling the same distress. That's certainly one way to go about it. You can expect that this might happen in certain situations, such as number one, unexpected in-hospital patient deaths. If you have a patient that was in the hospital, didn't come in off the street dying, although that can be distressing as well, but it was in the hospital, things were you know, going smoothly, and then suddenly that patient had an arrest or was found dead, very distressing to the team. And often people confuse what happened, wanting to get sense around that and how do we move forward. Um, a mistake that involves several team members. So usually if it's just a mistake involving one person, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that we have a whole meeting around that unless that person is very set on sharing their experience and you know moving forward you know as a team, but often individual mistakes one-on-one. -on -one. However, if it's a mistake that was miscommunication after miscommunication after miscommunication and then the way that it was handled was maybe not, not done well or could have been done better, that would be an indication for a team debrief. A euthanasia procedure that goes poorly. So this could be the conversation leading up to the euthanasia. This could be the euthanasia itself. Might, again, very often with euthanasia procedures, it's many team members involved from the front 
um, reception team to the animal care team to the technicians and to the veterinarians so all hands on deck might want to have a discussion about that certainly anything traumatic like a break-in to the practice um, or a situation where there's a change in practice ownership or management maybe we need to have a conversation about that and not just a conversation that is here's the plan moving forward but a conversation in the context of how's everyone doing in light of this news you know what questions can we answer what what do we need to do going forward so that everyone you know feels comfortable and on board with this situation again very often the team debriefs if we go back to those definitions that I shared earlier it's about information gathering and it's also about processing so you might want to gather information from your team and then help them with processing that together now in the context of timing this is a big thing that comes up in the healthcare space you know when is the best time to have a debrief and very often it depends on what the debrief is about again is it more of a learning debrief or a wellness debrief most individuals will say that ideally we would hold a debrief within 24 to 72 hours of whatever the event was and there's benefits to this um, this is not so soon after the event that post-event tasks or urgent needs can't be tended to you know after a CPR when things have exploded in the hospital um, people need to get back to you know sorting out everything that was missed in while that situation was unfolding so that's probably not a good time but if we wait until the next day or maybe later in the shift or whatever it might be that might be a better time the the benefits again are that the event is still fresh um, we can tend to the emotions that have come up but people will still have a little bit of opportunity to process their emotions and most of the involved people will still be able to attend it's not like they will have gone on vacation or um, you know be off shift or whatever it might, might be within hours of the inciting event yes this can be done some people might not be available because they're tending to other urgent needs they might also not be emotionally ready they might not have actually been able to process or reflect on what happened and all the information might not be available this is another big thing is we want there to be um, you know all of the case records completed and the client communications and gathering up all the things that we might need to really process what happened and so that might not be possible um, that soon after the event and then if we wait weeks you know people often lose interest it's like you know what that was weeks ago I'm over it don't really want to rehash it or when it comes to rehashing it they might not actually remember everything that happens so again sometimes we wait too long and then it's a little bit too much of an afterthought in those situations so who participates in the team debriefing uh, first and foremost I would say everybody is welcome anybody who wants to be there should be welcome to be there these again if, if you are intending to have a conversation that needs to be confidential or whatever those should be had not as a debriefing but more of like one-on-one -on -one or small meetings a team debriefing is is really that it's meant for the whole team to be involved whomever was impacted or even peripherally impacted maybe they're good friends with someone who was directly impacted and they want to show up to understand and know how to give support everyone should be available to be there especially those who were directly involved or impacted by what happened now you may need to hold the team debriefing outside of hours so this may need to be you know kind of like a staff meeting that is outside of hours or especially for 24 7 hospitals I mean let's be honest it, it's it's always going there's not really an outside of hours 
Do we need to close the hospital temporarily, um, you know, to facilitate uh, having this conversation, especially if it's a smaller team? Or maybe in the context of a 24-7 hospital, do we need to bring in some locum coverage so that we can allow other, all of the team members, I should say, to attend? So again, thinking about creative ways and, you know, um, there's different ways that you can hold the debriefing. You could certainly hold it in person, in a private location. Again, not to say that others aren't invited to attend, but so that everyone just can feel comfortable to share you know, we don't want clients overhearing conversations like these. So somewhere that is separate from patient and client management and where people can come comfortably sit. We don't want everybody kind of standing up like almost as if they want to leave at any minute and preferably, preferably in a circle. All of the debriefs that I've been involved with have always been in a circle so that everyone can see every person. If we sit in a classroom style and we're all kind of facing the front, it's just not, it doesn't create that cohesive team support. We're all in this together sort of feel. You know, there's a round, the night's round table um, was designed that way for a reason. You can also do a virtual debriefing and I would encourage you, similar to everyone being in that circle, that everyone is encouraged to have their cameras on unless they are not properly clothed or there's some specific reason why they really don't want their camera on seeing all those faces, seeing everybody's emotions and reactions and that they're all really intently listening is really important for the participants. Now, we also wanna have all case information available for reference or review if it is related to a case or maybe it's a situation, we wanna have updates, whatever it might be. And someone will need to be appointed the facilitator. So if we all kind of show up into a room and nobody's taking the lead, it's a little bit awkward, you know? It's like who starts, who's leading, who's facilitating. In my perfect world, this would be a veterinary social worker. Now I know veterinary social workers are few and far between, especially in regular practices at this point in time. Some of our very large specialty hospitals have access to a social worker within their network or part-time within their hospital. Most of us don't. You, There are social workers who will come in, you know, on a consultant basis to perform debriefings. Um, if that's not available, could it be the medical director? Could it be a team member? It could be a hospital manager, but there is some benefit to having someone facilitate who is part of the team. Sometimes when there's a little bit of a power dynamic in place where it's the practice owner or the hospital manager and then the team that was involved, there may not be as much safety in that. So if we can have someone who is a team member, boots on the ground, um, you know, really has a very good, trusting, respected relationship with the team, um, really, really important, and especially that they have a strong emotional intelligence or awareness. So you want someone who can demonstrate empathy, who has good listening skills, who doesn't need to be the talker, who is okay to hold back and let people speak their mind and then facilitate as needed. So this takes skill, it takes practice, and you might need to kind of rotate through a few members of the team um, to find you know who kind of best fits. And it doesn't have to be the same person every time. Um, I would urge you actually to you know, move the responsibility around, um, but just to give you a few thoughts on that. Now, when it comes to the steps for the team debriefing, number one, we have to set the stage for this. So we wanna let everybody know that we're here to listen, that there is no judgment. Again, that creates that psychological safety. We have a, we want, have a desire to understand and move forward, understand what's happening, understand um, how we're feeling and move forward from that. 
there might be an intention to um, establish some sort of goal at the end, you know, that we want to be stronger as a team or we want to prevent this from happening again. I would make sure that when you're going into the debriefing, that the intention of the debriefing is very clearly stated. Otherwise, it can be very confusing. And, you know, there it can also, I will say, be a little bit... Um, it could be damaging if we are holding a debrief that is really meant for information gathering, learning, et cetera, and people are showing up as if it's a well-being intervention, you know, for emotional support and processing, they might not get out of it what they need. We want to make sure that for those who need those resources that we can provide those, okay? Um, this is not a substitute for mental health professional support. This has to be reiterated at the beginning, even if you do have a social worker who is facilitating this, they are not there to provide one-on-one -on -one counseling support. That is not the point of a debrief. So that needs to be handled separately. So again, some verbiage that you might use. The purpose of this debriefing is for our learning, emotional processing, well-being, and ensuring quality of care. So this might be around a case that just did not go well in the hospital. You want to learn from it. You want to process things. You want to make sure that the team well-being is supported and that moving forward, you're offering good quality of care. Um, that is an ambitious statement. It's covering a lot. So you might only cover a few pieces in your team debrief, but I hope that gives you an example. So we want to then go into a description of what happened. So let's recap for everyone why we're here. What is it that happened and what are we here to discuss? So you want to briefly review the events to make sure that everyone has a shared understanding of what happened. I would encourage perspectives from multiple individuals. You can start as a facilitator by saying, can someone please walk us through the situation? And then from there, you could say, you know, Marie, what, what's your take on what happened? Or does anyone have something else to contribute that hasn't been mentioned so far? Then we want to welcome any sort of reaction. So allow participants to share their perspectives about what happened and how they felt and encourage them to use sentences beginning with I. So I noticed during the CPR that nobody was recording or, um, you know, I felt that the CPR was very disorganized or, you know, I felt helpless when I was doing the euthanasia and I didn't have anyone to come help me move the body or lots of different ways that we can express our reactions to the situation that happened, depending on what the situation was, of course. So as a facilitator, you might urge, you know, these, uh, um, encourage these responses by saying, how do you feel about what happened and how are you feeling now? Right. So maybe people have had they had a lot of intense emotions in the moment and now they're feeling, you know, well, I've given some had some time to think about it and, you know, dot, dot, dot. Then we have the analysis. So this is looking at the rationale behind what happened using perspective taking and empathy. So let's say that we're debriefing a really difficult encounter with a client. Maybe a client just exploded at the front of the hospital. Multiple people were involved. Multiple people were addressing this client. It was a case that was you know, being managed by a few people. There was multiple things that led to the owner's anger. So perspective taking might be, you know, gosh, I wonder if the owner was feeling really frustrated because he hadn't received an update in 24 hours. And empathy, 
you know, gosh, I can imagine he must have been feeling really scared not knowing what was happening with his dog or whatever it might be. You might identify systems or issues that played a role. So was there a miscommunication? Is there a lack of protocol set up for a certain scenario? What all could have contributed to this happening? So probing questions from the facilitator could be, tell me more about that or what do you think led to blah, blah, blah. And then we have the application. So this is where we take what we have learned and processed and heard and analyzed and determine what can we do differently next time if a similar situation arises. Um, so creating a list of action items, if this is even applicable or necessary, it might not at all be. Um, it might just be, you know, what, what, what next steps are there here? Um, so probing questions could be what could be done uh, sorry, what could we do differently next time or what needs to be done to ensure that XYZ happens? And then some sort of recap or summary at the end, recapping the main learning points, any action items. Again, here's where we make sure that there are resources available if further support is needed. If you see that your team members are feeling distressed, that you feel like there's more conversation to be had, but might be better on a one-to-one -one counseling scenario, you wanna offer those resources. I'm gonna talk about that in just a moment. Um, so can we summarize the important takeaways or what additional supports would be helpful? Maybe they want to have another debrief in a few weeks when there's more information. You know, you want to kind of um, establish that with your team. And one thing that I love to do at the end of a debrief like this, if time permits, and I urge you to, to ensure that there is time for this, is to have at least a one word check in with every single team member who is present. Just one word, how are you feeling right now? Or what is one word that you is coming to you in this moment? You know, not everybody is feelings person, so they often shy away from describing feelings. Um, and so, you know, you might get everything from um, confused, in which case that's good to know because maybe there's more debriefing to be done or content or grateful you know, all sorts of the range, but if you don't ask, you don't know. And very often you might have people attending the debrief who don't say a single word throughout it. They, they can certainly pass on the one word share, but that one word share might give you a big insight into what their experience has been. And as a facilitator, this is a really important sort of takeaway to know, like where's the team at as we exit this debrief. And then you can always circle back with individuals who you feel um, may be distressed. So I have broken down the steps and conversation prompts in a handout that I welcome all of you to download. If you go to my website, mariehollowaycheck.com forward slash debriefing, you will be redirected to another page where you will be asked to enter your name and email address so that you get signed up for my newsletter. And in return, you will get an email with this PDF debrief document. So I urge you to take advantage of that. Now, what about additional support? So when individuals experience extreme trauma or they're depressed, pardon me, distressed, especially if they are having persistent symptoms in and outside of the workplace, that can be very reminiscent um, of a post-trauma event, additional support is going to be needed. Remember, you haven't provided any mental health support. You've provided you know, a, a space for sharing and perspective taking and understanding and maybe some resources, but they likely need additional mental health support. So this might be a consult with a veterinary social worker to facilitate a team or individual debrief. This might be making sure that there is access to EAP or organizational mental health supports. 
This could be sharing information um, regarding online counseling, and this could be providing veterinary specific resources. For example, we have the Veterinary Mental Health Initiative. Um, I'm just, sorry, <laughs> distracted there for a minute. We have the Veterinary Mental Health Initiative, which is a website providing information um, and uh, group counseling, well, I shouldn't call it counseling, it's not counseling, but group support for veterinarians and vet techs, especially those um, who are uh, not, do not have the resources to seek private counseling, okay? So lots of things that we can do to provide additional support. So this is the website for the Veterinary Mental Health, Health Initiative. If you Google the Shanty Project and Veterinary Mental Health Initiative, you will come to this website and they will, um, you will find information if this is something that you'd like to explore. I will put the information for this website in the show notes as well. And I have created as well a, a handout for well-being. So I urge you to download this and share this with your teams. This is an electronic document that has clickable links. You can forward it to your team members so that they all have access to it. You could also post it um, in the break room or staff room so that individuals can you know, take a picture and maybe Google some of these resources on their own time. But it has mental health resources, organizational wellness resources, other mental health supports, and other wellness resources. So if you go to my website, mariehollowaychuk.com forward slash wellbeing, then you can access this download as well by signing up to my newsletter. So please take advantage of that. So our key takeaways for today, debriefing can help veterinary teams to process difficult situations at work, thereby reducing distress. Debriefing is not a substitute for mental health support or secondary PTSD treatment. A debriefing is best held within 24 to 72 hours of the event and a trusted and respected team member can facilitate the debriefing using the six-step process that I've shared. I really urge you as well to provide additional well-being resources, including mental health support, so that the team can come away with additional supports for their mental health, um, should they need that as well. So that's it for this episode of Reviving Vet Med. I hope that you took away some tangible tools and practical pointers for doing a team debriefing within your workplace. If you're not in a position where you would organize this, maybe this is something that you could suggest to your hospital manager to consider in the future. I think it has lots of positive benefits for team well-being, and certainly the debriefs that I've been involved with have been incredibly beneficial for everyone who's been involved. So if you enjoyed this episode, please feel welcome to share it with a friend. And if you can take some time to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review, I would really, really appreciate it. If you are interested in the resources I mentioned during today's episode, please check out the show notes and you can find more episodes on my website, mariehollowaychuk.com forward slash podcast. I'd like to thank my amazing assistant, Jamie, for producing this episode. And I'd also like to thank you for listening. If you have questions for me, or if you would like to suggest a topic for a future episode, please feel welcome to email me at info at mariehollowaychuck.com. I hope you'll tune in next time. In the meantime, take care of yourself. Bye now.